Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. We just arrived back about three hours ago. <clears throat> so um, it's really good to be back. It's funny. I don't think I've ever preached before without an interpreter. As I was kind of preparing my message, I was kind of in my mind thinking, uh, you know, sentence, wait for the interpreter. And then I realized I don't need to do that because <laughs> you all understand me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God's on what I'm going to talk to you very briefly about tonight because Pastor Mike actually just said my message oh, no. before. So, <laughs> so actually, he could have just had the older call, and, 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 but, but God's on it. And young people, listen up, really listen up because your lives could change. You know what? Um, I wasn't always the nice person that I am <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> so listen up because there is hope. Because do you know what? I used to be a completely wild teenager. I used to get so drunk in the weekends that I would still be drunk when I woke up in the morning. Okay? But, and, but I, and I am really just a nobody except I am a daughter of the king. I know who I am. And I know what he's done for me. And young people, and, but anyone here, but young people, I want to say to you that if you take a hold of him, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. By the time I was 16, I'd done all there was that could possibly be done, okay? So, young people, listen. Don't, wait, don't waste your lives. You've got, you've got too much of it, and you can make too much of an impact. Middle-aged and older people, don't waste your lives. Let them stand on your shoulders so that they can go further than what you'll ever do. I'm, we, um, we stayed, I'm going round about in circles here, but you know what? We stayed with a man in, the, um, in Malaysia, very wealthy man. And uh, we had about eight or nine nights with him. He's uh, about 58, and he's uh, been working in the Philippines with the same church, with the same pastors that we work over there for about the last 10 years. He's been connected. And um, he's, just as we have sown into the preschool over there, he's sown in too. And he's passionate about young children. He's passionate about leaving a legacy, raising up a generation of leaders. He knows that what he's sowing into, he believes he'll never see himself in his own lifetime. Because he said it's going to take, out of the little ones, out of this preschool, he reckons there'll be future community leaders and government leaders and all that kind of stuff. You know, but he's a man who's willing to let people stand on his shoulders and go further. Okay, we need, we need to be like that. People our age, people older, we need to do that. We need to be a people that can let these young ones stand on our shoulders. They'll go further than we ever will. But that doesn't mean to say that we miss out because I tell you what, already, already, I'm doing way and beyond my wildest dreams, what I would have ever hoped or imagined that, that I would do, that what God would do through me. Okay, so I want to just talk to you uh, a little bit about leaving a legacy, about doing something with your life. And you know what? You don't need to be old to leave a legacy. You don't need to be old to leave a legacy. So young people, listen up. Older ones, listen up. To leave a legacy, we need a desire to do something with our lives. We need a willingness to live beyond our comfort zone. We need a willingness to... Not just live for the moment, what feels good. We need to have a willingness to, to live beyond just wanting to have fun. To leave a legacy, to do something with our lives, we need to be purposeful. It takes thinking ahead. It takes planning. It takes discipline, doesn't it? You know, don't live your lives. To leave a legacy, you can't live your life just 
from one day to the next, young people. You can't just live your lives, older people, from one day to the next. Are you planning to leave a legacy? A spirit, what I'm talking about is a spiritual legacy here. Are you planning that someone can stand on your shoulders and go further than what you did or what you have done? We need to be aware that every decision that we make has a consequence. Every choice, every person that we choose to hang out with will either be for our good or not. They'll either help us to go further or they'll bring us down. Are you thinking, young people, are you thinking about the kind of people you're hanging out with? In Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know this, that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, that he has a plan for good and not for evil. But do you know what? As people, as individuals, we need to cultivate trust in him. We need to cultivate in our lives trust that his plans are for the best. I practice in my personal life, I practice yielding to him. In my imagination, I practice trusting out of the background that I came out of, heaps of abuse and occult stuff and all kinds of things, it was not easy for me to trust anyone. But I practiced in my mind, I practiced seeing myself, letting go control of my life to my heavenly Father. I practiced doing it. And as I practiced doing it in my, life, in my imagination, seeing myself yielding, seeing myself getting off the throne of my life and allowing him to be seated there in every area, it's become easier and my heart and my attitudes are beginning to change. But it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes discipline. It takes um, perseverance. So I want to ask you, what do you want your life to count for? You know, I was listening to a, um, a tape, a CD, recently, and um, a question that was asked was, what would people say about you if you died? And if you've got children... What would other people say to your children about you? Oh, I knew your mum. She was an amazing woman. You know, she did this, this, and this. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, you poor thing. Are you glad your dad's dead? He was a drunkard. Or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But young people, when I was growing up, I had plenty of friends that died before they were 20. So don't, don't just switch off because I'm talking about dying right now. You know, if, if you went out of here tonight and were hit by a car or something like that, what would people say? at your funeral about you, would they say that, oh, yeah, real party girl, real pa party boy, you know, made us laugh a lot, all the rest of it? Or would they say something different? Some, there was something different. I wanted to be like that young person. I wanted to be like that young woman. I wanted to be like that young man. Older people, what would they say, to you, say about you if you died tonight? What would people say about you? That got me thinking. What would people say about me? if I died, because that's what it's all about, really. That's when my life will be summed up. You know, about 10 or 12 years ago, I um, had the unfortunate experience of going to two funerals in two days. One was my mum's sister, and one was my mum's best friend. And the contrast in the funerals and the summing up of these women's lives was stark. It was so poles apart, it wasn't funny. The first one, my auntie, she wasn't a Christian. She suffered badly from depression. Um, her funeral was uh, in a funeral home just with immediate family and the cousins and stuff like that. And there was a, some kind of celebrant, whatever, person there, certainly not a, any 
kind of godly person, just talking about what is it to die but to stand naked in the wind and all this kind of kind of new age stuff, you know. So that was her funeral. The next day I went to the next funeral, my mum's best friend. The place was packed. It was in a church. The place was packed. And the minister there, he talked, he summed up her life. She was an ordinary woman with an extraordinary God. I tell you this, I know that woman. She'd been through a whole lot. She'd suffered badly with depression. Twelve years on, we still talk about her with fondness. She could fill a room with her laughter. She loved God. She'd lost a son who dropped dead on the, netball, on the basketball court suddenly, you know. She'd had a, a difficult upbringing. She struggled continually with depression. But she loved God and it oozed out of her. The fact that she had an alive relationship with God oozed out of her. And in the summing up of her life, the contrast was so, so very different to the day before. For a woman who had lived not beyond her own four walls, who had um, got so bound up in fear and got so bound up in her own selfishness and pride that she never reached out to anyone else. She died. That woman, my mum's sister, died wealthy. But unless she had an encounter with God at the very last minute, there was no fruit in her life at all that she knew Jesus Christ. So, you know, how do you want your lives to be summed up? When I heard that statement, she was a, this woman, my friend, when I heard that statement, she was an ordinary woman with an extraordinary God. I thought, that's what I want to be like. You know, I want my life to reflect an extraordinary God. I want my life to reflect a God that can work miracles. I want my life to reflect a loving God that will reach out to the sick and the lonely and the depressed. We saw plenty of those in our travels in the last month. Dirty people, begging. We were walking through Thailand through Phuket, you know, and oh my word, the prostitutes and the gays, and like, oh my word, they didn't even think twice about propositioning our men, even although we were with them. But you know, a little boy, three or four years old, vomiting on the street, his little, his older brother, who was probably only six or seven, was looking after him, no mother or father to be seen. You know, mum's sitting on the ground begging, so... You know, we have it so easy over here compared to all of that. But I want my life to count. And I guess my challenge for you tonight is, do you want your life to count? And it doesn't actually necessarily mean going on a mission trip because there's people right here. You know, I've seen Pastor Mike do it. I can, I'll never forget this. A man came into this church many years ago. And I tell you what, I got near him and he smelled. And he looked scary and all kinds of stuff. Pastor Mike went up to him and put his arms around him. Now, he was one person that I would stay clear of just because of the smell of him. You know, would you do that? Would I do that? Would your life count? Would your life count? Do you want it to count? Or are you just going to live day by day, moment by moment, and get to the end of it, and you'll probably go to heaven with fire insurance, smoke on your heels, you know? Do you want more for your life than that? For me, there is a burning desire for more. I am less, I'm not interested in my, I do like comfort. I was going to say I'm not interested in comfort. Actually, I do like it. But I'm more interested 
in representing Jesus Christ. I'm more interested in taking the gospel to whoever needs to hear it. What about you? So, you know, we want to be, I want to be a person that, that allows others to stand on my shoulders. But, you know, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about us being able to stand on someone else's shoulders. And firstly, you know, in Hebrews chapter 12, um, Pastor Mike touched on it just before. He talked about running the race with endurance, perseverance. Hebrews chapter 12. And um, it talks about us being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, the heroes of faith that went before us. And we can learn from them. And I kind of get this picture that they're in heaven and they're sort of cheering for us. They've passed the baton on to us. And we need to take it further. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 um, says, Therefore we also, uh, sorry, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to ask you tonight, where are your eyes? As you walk through life, where are your eyes? Have you got your eyes fixed on him? You know, it's a lot easier when you look up to him instead of when you look at your circumstances. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. See, Jesus thought long-term. He left a legacy. He planned. He wasn't interested. If he'd been um, interested in, um, in living in the moment, if he'd been interested in his personal comfort, we might not have had a savior. But for the joy set before him, he looked down eternity, and he saw you and I, and he had his eyes fixed on us. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So now we the same. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we can make a choice to lay aside those things that distract and entangle us. Those friendships that are no good for us. We can make a choice to keep, our, we can make a choice to keep right attitudes in the midst of difficulties and trials. We can keep our eyes fixed on him. In the times of pressure, whether it's at school and exams or with your friends or at home or at work, we can make a choice to keep our eyes fixed on him. And we can run the race with perseverance and endurance. We can not be entangled by the cares of this world that will so quickly come along to take us off track and to take us off course and to stop us leaving a legacy for a future generation. It's so easy to get off course. It's so easy. So Joshua, Joshua is one. He's a great hero of faith that left a legacy, whose shoulders we can stand on if we learn about him. And just briefly, you know that he was one of the 12 spies. Out of those 12 spies, it was only he and Caleb that wanted to take that land. You know, Moses sent them out and said... um, Go and check it out. Go up into the mountains. See what kind of people there. See, see what the city's like. Are they encamp- encampments or strongholds? Check it all out. 
And the pe- you know the story. The people came back and they came back with the produce of the land, bunches of grapes and all kinds of stuff that was so big. But they said, yeah, the land is indeed flowing with milk and honey, but there's giants there and they'll kill us. They'll eat us alive. But Joshua and Caleb were different and they wanted to go. Have a look in, in um, Numbers chapter 14. You know, one thing I realized about, uh, about Joshua is the company he kept. Caleb was his friend. They were both, they were the two that, that, wanted, to, that wanted to take the land. So there's a key there for us, I reckon, and it's about the company that you keep. Because you know, that, you know what? You can think that you'll change the people that you're around, but more often they will change you. So the challenge is, young people especially, get your roots down deep in God. Get around people that can help you go further. I need to do that. We all need to do it. Very quickly I can get discouraged if I get around discouraging people. So I choose very carefully who I hang out with, who I let close in my life, I mean. So Numbers chapter 14, verses Verse 6, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And he goes on to say, only do not rebel against the Lord. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. You know, it occurred to me that, that, that obstacles, as Joshua said, you know, those, te- those spies, the ten of them, they saw the giants as obstacles. Joshua saw them as food. Food strengthens us. Difficulty can make us strong. Problems can make us strong. Pressure can make us strong. It just all comes down to the way you view it, the way you look at it. Will you live underneath it or will you live above it? Will you move forward and let it strengthen you and let it feed you until you come out the other side strengthened and able to carry more? So we know that God wanted to give Joshua and all the people of Israel that land. But they doubted. They doubted God's word. And it occurred to me that lack of trust is rebellion. Lack of trust is rebellion because Joshua said, he said, don't, don't, don't rebel against God. You know, when we don't trust him, when we don't trust his plans and his purposes, we rebel against God. We need to learn to trust in his plans and his purposes because he says, my plans for you are good and not for evil. And he says in Scripture somewhere or another that he lavishes his loving kindness on us. You can't compare him to any earthly person that only gives conditional love. He's not like that. He will strengthen you. And he lavishes his, his loving kindness and his goodness on you. And he wants to give you the land. He wants to give you, he said later to Joshua, when once Moses, once Moses died, um, I'm skipping here because we're getting late. Once Moses died, um, 
God said to Joshua, he said, go and I'll give you the land that the sole of your foot treads. And so, so God was giving to Joshua what he always intended to give. But you know, those other spies and all those people in Israel that wouldn't go into that promised land, they missed out. And those spies, those 10 spies that spoke up and, and convinced the children of Israel not to go in, do you know they died in the presence of the Lord by a plague? Spiritually, well, in the natural, obviously, but if you think about it, if you apply it for us today, if we don't have the courage to, to take a hold of what God has for us, if we don't find out our plan, the plans and purposes that he has for us, if we don't make a choice to be courageous and bold, if we don't trust in him, we become rebellious. And the potential is to dry up and lose our ability to produce fruit. At that point, I don't want to lose my ability to produce fruit, church. Do you? I just want to ask you again, what do you want to do with your life? I tell you what, I can remember the day I started school. It seems like yesterday. Life goes really, really, really quickly. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. So what are you going to do with your lives, people? Are you willing to leave a legacy? You know, some of the things about, about Joshua. Firstly, I pointed out that he was... He, he was the kind of people he hung around with, like Caleb. He chose his friends. He had courage. He was bold. He was a man of faith. He wasn't rebellious. He trusted in God. Moses was able to lay hands on him and to impart to him. Later in Scripture, it talks about, um, about Joshua being Moses' uh, yeah, about Joshua being Moses's kind of like helper. And then when Moses died, Joshua got to lead the people. And do you know what? That was God's idea. As Moses was getting old, Moses said to God, Send, you know, raise up someone to lead these people into the promised land. And, and God said, take Joshua with you and take him to the priest. And I was caught by what Pastor Mike said before. We're all called but it takes something different to be chosen. Joshua was chosen by God. Now, he'd done his season in the wilderness. You know, you don't, you don't hear much about him or, or, if anything, until about Numbers 14, until they go to spy out the land. And suddenly, he's there. Suddenly, he's in the picture. But obviously, he'd had a season in the wilderness, a season of being hidden for his character to be strengthened and developed. He had a season to, to spend time with the Lord. You know, and I know, I heard Pastor Mike say tonight, you know, young ones, God is wanting a people that will get along with God. He's, want a pe wanting, he's wanting a people that will set time aside regularly. God will respond to the cry of your heart, church. He will respond to the cry of your heart. So what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you crying out for? So to leave a legacy, to make a difference in someone's life, you know, it can look all kinds of ways. I just want to, I just want to, when Richard, uh, about seven years ago, Richard's mum was killed in a, in a farming accident. It was sudden. And um, the day after 
she died. Richard and I had gone to the supermarket and we were reeling and uh, we, we needed to get some groceries for the family that were descending upon you, you know, when you have a funeral. And um, the girl at the checkout, I stood there and I just wanted her to look at me and smile. That's all I wanted. And um, she served us and never made eye contact, never spoke to us. She was only young. She was only a teenager. And uh, I just stood there thinking, please look at me. Please smile. Because she didn't, but she didn't know the pain that was going on behind us, our eyes, that just 12 hours before someone very dear to both of us had been killed suddenly. Um, some of you will know Wayne Wooster. Do you remember him? Some of, some of, yeah. And remember when his son was killed in a car accident? You know, the week later, I saw him in the supermarket. And, um, and just on the face of it, you would never know that he'd buried his son. But just a week before, he'd put his 16 or 17 teenage son in the ground who'd been killed suddenly. You know, my point is this, people, church, that you never know, you just don't know what's going on behind people's eyes, what's going on in their lives. And my challenge is that you could make a difference. You know, that young girl, I'll always remember her now because she didn't make a difference in my life. You know, she didn't stop and smile and look at me and just make my day. That day when I'd lost... I loved Richard's mum like I love my own mum. We were very close. And, uh, and she could have made a difference that day. Young people, you know, when you're at school, you could make a difference. You don't even know what your teachers are going through. You could make a difference by being polite, by smiling. You know, I used to be the kind of teenager my mum used to dread coming, me coming home. She, every day, she'd look at the clock and go, oh... Amanda's coming home. <laughs> I could have made such a difference in her life for the good. She still talks about that. <laughs> oh, I used to dread you coming home, Amanda. Thank God she's forgiven me. But you know, we carry an atmosphere. We can carry the Spirit of God with us or something else. It's not hard to make a difference. It's not hard to leave a legacy. And then we find ourselves like, here I am now, you know, ministering in the Philippines. Do you know, like I said to you before, like I'm not anyone, but I'm a child of the king. But, you know, I never would have dreamed, I never would have dreamed that Richard and I would be doing this kind of stuff together. And, you know, um, we got, the, we had the privilege of going to the mayor, the new mayor's inauguration. And um, from that... She knew that I was speaking the next day and she cancelled one of her meetings and she came to our meeting, yeah. And she heard me preach and I got to pray for her. They're, they are active Freemasons. When you get in his way, he will kill you. That's what they're like. They are corrupt, they are money lenders, they, they make their money off um, lending, uh, of paying, uh, charging the villagers huge interest on the money. That they, borrow, that they lend, and stir them up enough, and he will kill you. They're corrupt, but I got the privilege, I had the privilege of laying hands on her. 
and praying, she, and she cried. You know, I never would have, I never would have dreamed in a million years. You know, the pastor over there, a young man, he's not wealthy, not by a long shot, he's not wealthy. I watch him, he's got about 10 or 12 children uh, or teenagers, mainly boys, some girls, in his church that have come to him either because they have no family anymore, no mums and dads because they've been killed, or because the families have given them to the church to, to, the church to look after because they're so poor. You know, now some of those children are teenagers and they're going to, our, they're going to college, so that's our vision of university. They still gravitate back home to the church in the weekends. He's, this pastor is 31 years old. They treat him like their father. He's leaving a legacy. He's paying for their, he's, he's paying a, um, a personal cost. He's paying a financial cost. But he's doing something with their life, his life. He's making a difference in these young men and women. And then there's this, this guy that we stayed with in Malaysia, you know, again, He's leaving a legacy. He could do anything with his money, but he's passionate about reaching out to the lost, reaching out to the poor, about leaving a legacy, about making a difference. And then being in Singapore with Pastor Mike, you know, Pastor Mike's leaving a legacy. I tell you what, seeing those people as Pastor Mike was ministering, he was talking one night about, one day, about um, the prodigal son. And there was all the, um, the choir up on the stage so I could see them. And he started the, talking about the story and the love of the father. You know, the, the, the faces just breaking. Young men and young women. So needing father figures. So needing mother figures. So needing to experience the love of God. And they honored Pastor Mike because he goes back year after year. Leaving a legacy, making a difference. The brokenness over there is unbelievable, but on the face of it, they look really together. The people in Singapore dress really well. You know, you, you just, if you just judged it at face value, you think these people aren't hurting, these people don't need anything. So I just want to leave you, if we could have the musicians up, but I just want to leave you with this church. You know, what are you going to do with your lives? And it's not about, you don't need to go on a mission trip to do that. But you do need to begin to cultivate a trust in the plans and the purposes that God has for you. You do need to practice yielding your life over to him. You need to have a desire and a purpose. You know, something else that Joshua did was that he took action. Moses said, go, and he went and checked it out. Then he came back and he was willing to overcome those giants. He identified what they were, but he was willing to go in because he said, they are bread for us. If God is on our side, and we know that God is on our side, because we have Christ in us. God looks at us and he loves us so much because he sees his son. He looks at us and he loves us so much because we're created in his image. So, you know, actually we can't fail. If God is, you know that scripture, with God, nothing is impossible. It's true. The only reason that we fall over, we trip up, we fail, we make mistakes is because of ourselves, church. It's nothing about God. It's because we live our lives apart from God or we get rebellious, we don't trust in Him. And we, we cut off the opportunity that we have to produce fruit. So church, tonight I want to ask you, 
what are you going to do with your life? Do you want to produce fruit? What are people going to say about you? What do they already say about you? What do they already say? Do they like being around you? Or do they like being around you for the wrong reasons? Are you leading people to Christ or are you leading them away? Are you helping people to grow or are you keeping them stunted? You know, with God, nothing's impossible. He is on our side. He loves us. Without a doubt, He loves us. So firstly, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to ask you today, this God that I've been talking about, Jesus Christ, do you know Him as your personal Saviour? If you were to walk out of here tonight and you were hit by a car, do you know where you're going? Are you assured of your salvation? Do you know that you know that you know that at any moment, if your life was cut off here, you would be going to heaven to an eternity with Jesus Christ? If you don't have that assurance, you need to know Him. You've heard part of my testimony tonight. I tell you what, going your own way is a waste of time. I can remember, I can remember the feelings of hopelessness that I had in my drunken stupors. I can remember the feelings of hopelessness and a sense of going nowhere as I lived from one party to the next, as I made my family's life miserable, as I was so heartless. Do you know my mom and dad, my youngest brother, he's Down syndrome and um, he's quite severe, but anyway, he, that was a shock to our family, to my mum and dad. On the day that my mum and dad brought him home from the home, I ran away from home. Not because about that. I wanted to be with my boyfriend. That's how heartless I was. That's how hopeless I was. That's how selfish I was. Now, hopefully, none of you in this room are like that. But the point is that you need to know Jesus Christ. If He could turn me around, He can turn you around. If He can take something out of ashes and make it beautiful and make it worthwhile, if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. If He can give for me a life, a husband and a family beyond my wildest dreams. Young people, if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. And you don't need to carry the baggage that I've had to carry. You could change your lives right now by making a different kind of choice.